Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We've called ourselves Fruity Alexia. A hilarious pun, I'm sure everyone will agree. (laughs) Or is it a pun? A play on words. Whatever the difference is, who cares? It's both. It's a punny play on words. Yeah. Um... After the famous cask wine, Fruity Lexia, when was the last time you actually think you've had some Fruity Lexia wine? I'm going to go out on a limb and I actually think it was probably with you, but like (laughs) I reckon when I was 15 or 16. Really? Having said that, I'm sure you would have drunk it more recently than I because you went on to do university and I'm sure that's the sort of thing university students drink. (laughs) I could be wrong. Oh, look. You know, it's probably been put into a punch or something like that at some point. I can't actually remember having any in the house. I don't think I would have gone out to the shop and bought some fruity <laughs> a box of wine. on purpose. But, uh, you know, it's always handy to have a box of wine handy. <laughs> Just in case, you know, you're at uni, you know, a few people come along, you want to have something at the ready to, you know, because you don't want to sit there talking about uni all the time. You want to get them drunk and I talk mean, about something more interesting. That sounds such, <laughs> such a generous offer to offer people wine out of a box. I have to, If I went to somebody's house, hmm. even at university, although I didn't go, and somebody offered me wine out of a box, yeah. I mean, firstly, of course I'd take it. But secondly, I'd be furious when I'd rag on them later. <laughs> yeah. Of course I'd drink it. I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there are some cask wines that it's just the winery is like um, – not being able to sell some of their good wine, so they try and repackage it and put it into like the silver foil. <laughs> that's so sometimes very you can possible. get good stuff, but I don't think that's the case for fruity Alexia. And actually, one of the best uses for those um, silver foil things is uh, you can inflate them. Have you ever done that? Blow it up, blow it up like a balloon and float it around in the ocean. <laughs> I've heard about inflating them like it's some kind of you know Australian folklore. I personally yeah. have never actually inflated one because I've okay. never put my mouth on one of those little nozzle things because I, the idea of it makes me want to be sick thinking about how many thumbs have been touching that little flicky button. Yeah. I mean, how well, sometimes it's only one, you know, if you've had a hard week. <laughs> <laughs> but the best thing about it though is once you inflate it, or the worst thing I should say is if it starts to deflate and you get a bit of a whiff of the air that comes out. Oh, it's this kind of mix of breath gross. and off wine. <laughs> and it's like super concentrated because it's been like mulling in there for, <laughs> I don't know, weeks and weeks. <laughs> it's so and disgusting. 
Yeah, it really just, you know, it wakes you it wakes you up. You come, you know, if you're a bit drowsy, you really come back online as soon as you smell that disgusting. <laughs> I don't smell. know why you're sleeping on a inflatable inflated wine <laughs> cask bag, a goon bag, but anyway. Well, you know, <laughs> stops you from drowning. Well, that's true, I suppose. I've never understood why they're called goon bags. What's that about? Uh, look, I actually don't yeah, I don't know. Goon. Goon this I think Is it some really offensive thing? No, actually, I think it comes from like a flagon, and this is like boring, like word oh, history here stuff. We go. But this it's is like some intelligent person thing. <laughs> here we go, everybody, settle you know, in. Yeah, well, you know, like a flagon of wine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. I think it's like the last part of that. The goon, the goon, like somehow over the years oh. that evolved to be goon, and then I think yeah. that makes sense. That does yeah. make sense. So it's not <laughs> it's not like a funny response, but I think it might be true. Yeah. Okay, well, that's I hope boring. it's not offensive. So boring. Yeah. I apologize if it is offensive to anyone, but uh, actually just no, the um the wine itself is probably the biggest offense. Hmm. What do you think? <laughs> do you think with things like Freddy Alexia, it's actually like hmm. like what is it? Is it Chardonnay? Is it what is it? Is it Pinot Grigio? Is it what is it? Moselle? It must be the grape variety, right? Do you think? I, I don't know. We should probably, we should get some Fruity Alexia after this. I, we yeah. should get some and try it. Okay, we, we maybe should, we'll we do, a do a tasting. A, we yeah. should do a tasting of a mini-sode. <gasps> That's a great idea. Oh, my we'll both gosh. get the same brand. We'll go out after, get the same brand and do a little bit of a yeah. you know, tasting. Make sure it's chilled, you know, or plop <laughs> a few ice cubes in it. difference. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. And then afterwards we can strip the paint off our walls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, we can blow in up the bag and sleep on it. Oh yeah, Brilliant. so many uses. Yeah, You've got all it's going to be a long mini soon. <laughs> Who needs pillow talk? <laughs> <laughs> all right, shall we get on with the episode? Get on with a the theme song. Let's go. Now, do you know why I didn't sing along? Do you know yeah. why I didn't sing along to why that? Why didn't you sing along this song? time? Because you did me so dirty two episodes yeah. ago, or maybe three <laughs> episodes ago, and I didn't know. And I had people contact me. Yeah. So did okay. You? So for those <laughs> tell of me, tell you, me. for those of you listening, so you you would probably know that Alex does all like the the production side of this. He does all like the little fancy buttons and the technical stuff. So I just kind of. You know, I'm a gun for hire. He tells me what to say and when to say it, basically, and that's how we kind of roll. Anyway, so when the when the when the theme song plays, usually, um, we you know he might talk or he'll sing along. So a, a few weeks ago, I started singing along to the song, and I was like, "This is really fun, you know, hooray! Yeah. Look, you know, yeah, I love the song." And then and I thought happened? nothing of it. And then what happened was you <laughs> fucking kept that audio file, that bit of that recording, and you played it as the little <laughs> the little extra bonus bit at the end of the last or an episode a few episodes ago. And I didn't know, I didn't get that far. I turned off. So and then you're like, Oh, did you listen to the end of last episode? I'm like, No. And then I had all these people message me being like, Is that you at the end of it? I'm like, Oh my <laughs> God. When I went back and listened to it, it's yeah. so embarrassing. But you know what? <laughs> 
fuck you. Um, I'm embracing it. I actually think it was okay. fine. I was great. Well, that's why I put it there. I thought it was lovely. And thought Piss it- off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after that, nobody's ever going to believe that I could actually sing after that. <laughs> well, we'll set them right at a later date. We'll but, you know, prove them like, wrong. Don't you reckon, that's true, don't you reckon it's like when we go to karaoke, by the way, I don't know if we've mentioned this already, but both of us mm. are obsessed with karaoke. Oh, I love it. And yeah. um, I always think like, you know, we do pretty average job at karaoke for people who can actually sing. Yeah. Don't you reckon? But that's the point of karaoke, <laughs> right? It's so fun. Yeah, if you take it too seriously, then it stops being fun. I, think, I agree, so. totally. Yeah. And we, we have we have had many a night where we've we've been three sheets of the wind drinking and singing karaoke in like some weird Chinatown pool hall dive yeah. where, uh, you know, singing Tammy Wynette and the KLF <laughs> and <laughs> Ace of Bass yeah. and to a room full of very confused Chinese people. Yeah. And it's been great. <laughs> What's your go-to song? I love Walking in Memphis <laughs> by Cher. Walking- oh, right, yes, or, of course. Or, I mean, yeah. I like a lot of things, but I love something that is impossible for me to sing. Walking in Memphis is all right for me to sing. But I yeah, like, if I'm going to do karaoke, one. I want to do something really stupid and hard like Fighter by Christina Aguilera that I'm never oh, yeah. going to be able to sing. Yeah. You know, because it's just <laughs> so fun to like – be trashy and really just screech notes and I don't know, I just think it's kind of fun. Yeah, I've got this friend that he always does um, Anaconda. It's so, <laughs> so funny oh, to that's watch. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Does he dance? Yeah, he does the whole thing. Yeah, that's it's excellent. amazing. Yeah. Okay, well, it's... I'm going to need a little video of this. All right, I think there's probably one, one deep in my in my phone somewhere. Amazing. I would love to do it. I'm probably, you know, I get up there and I kind of feel myself like it's a bit of a Celine Dion moment. Yeah. The spotlight's like, okay. on. You're wearing exactly. your sequined 100%. designer dress. I'm yeah. in my my sequined gown, and, and then an Alexander sudden, comes along. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, I love it so much, and that then I'm you know very quickly thrust back into reality with you know yeah. everybody kind of staring at me in disbelief. Speaking of which, we should introduce ourselves. So I'm Alexander, and I'm Alex. No, I'm Alexander yeah. and you're Alex. Oh, uh, yeah. I was just reading the script. <laughs> <You're> on- <laughs> They're supposed to be on I'm separate Alexa- lines, See, I think. I'm Alexander. And I'm Alex. There we go. That's, That's great. Yeah, we could be on radio, right? <laughs> we so could. Well, at least one of us could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, how busy are you at the moment in your in your week? Oh, is this Okay. This is a commentary on my my schedule, which is unfair, but that's fine. I am so, so busy. I am working a lot. Yeah. A lot. Like I'm working a couple of different jobs and, you know, one's full-time, one's definitely part-time because I run my own business. And then um, I'm hosting events and doing a whole bunch of different stuff. So I'm really busy at the moment. But that's okay. I don't mind. I'm not complaining about being busy because, you know. Yeah. And aren't you glad for the relief provided by Fruity Alexia? I'm glad for the relief of pr- provided by Fruity Alexia, and I hope our listeners are too. <laughs> no, I guess I the le- it's probably not a leading question, but you know, out of the work you're doing in the hosting and Fruity Alexia, what would be your favourite bit of the week? Um, Fruity Alexia, it sounds like the right answer. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> no, it is. Do you know, I genuinely look forward to it because it's not that I don't love all the other work I do. I do love all the other work I do um, very much, actually, but. Um, it is so nice to have, you know, time to, I think you talked about it when you, you know, a few episodes ago when you were like, oh, I've got all these degrees in journalism and all this other stuff and it's, you know, mining a topic, one topic or something. You talked about that. And, yeah, yeah, just and mining like, the one topic. It's yeah. quite fun just to talk about something super innocent and 
you know, campy and silly and relaxing and fun. And, and I presume just by people's feedback that other people are enjoying it too. So I kind of, it's quite, it's quite nice really. Yeah. I'm glad you're getting feedback. I don't, I've had one person contact me, I think. <laughs> oh, I probably had maybe <laughs> Other six, than family seven members. Or, six, seven or eight people sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, if you do know me and you're listening, please send me some nice feedback. Make sure it's good though. It has to be. <laughs> and it wasn't the one bit of feedback that you had about me anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was someone supporting something you'd said about Danny Minogue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. We're here to talk about Pop Stars Australia we season are. one. Shall we get on with it? Let's get on with it. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Gosh, so I think we're up to episode 10 already. Yes. Is that correct? Episode 10, we've finally episode made it 10. double digits. I know. How exciting. It's so exciting. I'm so yeah. excited to be here with you on episode 10. Well, so just so everyone at home knows what went on in episode 10, um, we've now seen the film clip of their debut single in the previous episode, but now it's time to test out Bardo in front of a live audience. They're ushered through a corporate foyer in the Sydney high rise past the paparazzi to a performance venue where uh, they're there to do a live debut of at least two of their hits. And while nerves are high, so is the energy, and it's great to see the hardworking performers reap some of the rewards at long last. That's a very um, it's a very um, rehearsed, prepared, <laughs> way, way, way prepared for you. But, I mean, go that. Go you. That was great. Go yeah. you on that recap. And I almost pronounced all the words correctly too. <laughs> almost, almost, <laughs> which is hilarious because you wrote it. So anyway. <laughs> Alexia. It's probably worth noting that we're watching this all off a YouTube um, channel that has kindly put up the whole series for us. And this particular episode is missing, I believe it says the first 10 minutes in the comments. So actually what we've seen and what we're commenting on today is only 
partially episode 10. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's the exciting bit, so never fear. That's right. I mean, I have to admit, I didn't realise, um, I didn't actually read the comments, I have to confess. Um, yeah. But whoever it was, whoever was the, um, you know, the amazing person that uploaded this to YouTube, thank you so much. I mean, I can tell mm. that it's been recorded on VHS tapes, which just adds adds to the nostalgia of the whole it thing. Does, doesn't it? Yeah. You can see like the the squiggly, blurry lines that would come up when you sort of play pause things. I, just, yeah. I love it so much. And, and it know, goes I, staticky sometimes as yeah. the tape stretched. And yeah, it's, it's so really good. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there is a lot of nervous tension. They're sort of all getting they're getting ready and prepared um, to do their performance and Sophie kind of makes a little comment, uh, like it's all coming flooding back, you know, that bit where Anna said I couldn't dance in the auditions. You're sort of thinking of that um, before you're about to go on and perform. So, I mean, it's nice to kind of see that nervous energy but you can also feel a bit of like angst as well amongst them, I think. Yeah, well, firstly, we didn't actually hear Anna say in an earlier audition that she couldn't dance. I don't remember no, that being said at all, so that was nah. surprising. Um, but, yeah, I suppose there is a lot of nervous angst before you go into a performance. There, there. I think that's pretty pretty natural. I think big performers today even still get nervous, you know, before they walk on stage. I think that's really healthy. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And remember, these girls were nobodies a hot second ago. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's the, true. I- most some of them have done as a rocker Stedford. Yeah, that's right. And I think probably with all the build-up, like what I can't think of a performance that would have been built up quite as much as this for a while in Australia, you know. No, I can't either. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, 20 years before some kind of John Farnham appearance on Countdown might have been as big, but yeah, this exactly. was just about yeah. the biggest thing that had happened in the modern music industry in Australia, I think, in a long time. Yeah, and Molly Meldrum was nowhere to be seen. So <laughs> he wasn't anywhere to be seen. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, the, and they're all sort of getting dressed and stuff. And one thing I couldn't work out was Sally doesn't seem to have washed her hair for a few days <laughs> while the rest of all <laughs> been done up. Oh, look, I, they had her hair. Whoever did her hair, look, they sort of matted it up a bit. It looks like they rubbed cakes of soap in it to kind of make it a bit dirty and grubby looking. They did it to Tiffany too. It could have just been mousse or something, but it, I didn't love it. It was not a Brian. good look. I don't remember. Was this a fashion at the time? It was a fashion. Or? It was a fashion. It was kind of like a bit grungy and it made it look a little bit dirty and greasy and sort of it clumped together a little bit. It was a little bit, dare I say it, Rastafarian. Are you allowed to say right. that? Right. Yeah, yeah. So and it looked to me, I feel like it was perhaps a little bit of, um, you know, that kind of indie kind of vibe, you know? Gotcha. A bit Messy like Kurt Cobain, Courtney Love sort of exactly. we just got out of bed to come to this concert. Look. Exactly, but really some, you know. A fabulous yeah. gay guy called Kevin has spent 45 minutes finessing it, but yeah. Yeah, gotcha. I did much. think that Sally looked a bit like Travis from Clueless. Do you remember him? Oh, God, Clueless. <laughs> Played by Brecken Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's the, like, skateboarder dude. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it kind of looks like, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, the greasy hair look. Sure. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you can slide a Clueless reference in it. <laughs> you will. Oh my god! I'm starting to panic that you know if you know anyone ever asks me about Clueless, I can't really remember it that well. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to. Um, we're gonna have to rewatch it. That's, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> you know why we should rewatch it? Because firstly, mm. Alicia Silverstone is just the best. Yeah. Um, but also, Paul Rudd is in it when he was younger, and yeah. he's such a babe. It's funny though because they're like stepsisters, stepbrother and step sister, siblings. Aren't they? Yeah, step siblings. Yeah, so it's that's a bit, a bit strange. But yeah. I guess it's based on Emma or something like that. One of those old novels where, you know, back in Victorian England, you know, getting you just married anybody. Yeah, 
you know, close family relatives. It didn't really matter back in those <laughs> kind days. Kind of like Tasmania today. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say that because we're Tasmanian. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Does that ever annoy you? It annoys me when people make jokes about Tasmanians being inbred. I know, I know. It's I don't really know where it's come from. Like it's I think what annoys oh. me more than the the um joke is just the cliche. It's like come up with your own joke, please, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah the thing is, oh you're Tasmanian, where's your scar? It's like where well, yeah. you've had your second head removed. It's so yeah. fucking stupid. People are so dumb. It's like, really, this is the best you've got. You're an yeah. absolute idiot. It's that off the peg humor that oh. I don't like, I think, you know, just something if they were that good. If makes they were you sound like you're funny. It, yeah. You're just a yeah. moron. And you think it's hilarious. <laughs> I hate these people. (laughs) Don't make those jokes to Tasmanians, people out there. We've heard them all before and we just eye roll at you. Sometimes we do it, obviously. Sometimes we do it in our minds, but we just think you're a fucking idiot. So don't do it. I think that's the moral (laughs) of this story, isn't it? (laughs) And also, by the way, I know where the inbred thing comes from and we can maybe talk about that in a mini-sode. It's the Black Bob's thing. Oh, I don't even know what that is. Oh, snap. We're going to talk about that in the next Okay, all right. Make a note. (laughs) Mental note. Go. Done. Yeah. All right. Um, so they show a bit of, there's a bit of like red carpet action. Um, they're sort of going into the inaugural performance, the album launch. Um, and I think Marsha Hines is pretty much the only one we recognize. I don't know. Speak for yourself. Yeah. There was like someone like Abby Cornish who comes in that they're interviewing in a red dress. No, Abby Cornish. As if yeah. it's Abby Cornish. Firstly, I don't even think Abby Cornish was doing anything then. It's right. not Abby Cornish. She was still 14 and then I high think she was still a child. Right. You don't even, I can't believe you, you don't even know who that was in the red no. dress with the red lips and the blonde hair. We talked about her a few episodes ago. I think we even dedicated a mini-sode to her. Oh. It is, it is the, the, the doyen of Wheel of Fortune at the time. It is Sophie Faulkner. Oh, right. <laughs> Australian Does she look like Abby Cornish? Icon. She looks nothing like Abby Cornish. Oh, shit. Okay. But we love um, both Abby Cornish and Sophie Faulkner, but it's it's Sophie Faulkner and she is an absolute treasure. Yeah. And and what's she beautiful. doing there? <laughs> <laughs> She's just been invited. I mean, it's a right. weird Were there some, number, some letters to turn around or something that needed <laughs> to be done? Right. <laughs> it's a bit of a weird guest list. Yeah. There's this guy who comes up and the reporter sort of goes, oh, hey, Jeremy, quick question. And I was like, Jeremy. Yeah. I was like, who the fuck is that Jeremy guy? Okay. Not you didn't clue. know him either? No. I, then, I tried to get a look at him and I was like, nah, don't know. Yeah. And then some backflipping guy comes down and they say it's like the boys from some kale or something. And I didn't no. even think kale was popular then. Like the smoothies didn't come along for at least 15 years. Kale wasn't <laughs> popular then. I don't think kale's yeah. popular now. Right. I think kale's <laughs> it's all a bit of a fallacy really, kale, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, got to stay. Read into that what you like. Um, I think um, Kalen, you mean Kalen. Oh, Kalen. Kalen. They were, they were, they were <laughs> brothers and they sung, they had a couple of songs um, before, I don't know, maybe around this time, or basically maybe, yeah, at the same time. Um, and they were pretty cool. And they actually went on to become, Kaylin changed their name to, to Disco Montego. Oh, uh, now I have heard of Disco Montego. for okay. Katie Underwood when right. she left the group later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's the one guy from Human Nature who shows up. I don't know where the uh, others are. <laughs> Phil. Phil. Phil Burton. Mm. Yeah. Didn't recognize him at all. But um, nah. he well, pronounces I'm... that he's from Human Nature. So. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that much. Human Nature, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I had to think, are they, are they like the um, Ooh, I Want You, I Don't Know If I Need You guys? I had to scour my memory. I was like, no, no, that's, no, that's um, Savage, Savage Garden. Garden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about that then. No, that's a, but that was such a good album, both. Well, actually, both albums were great, Savage Gardens and Human Natures. Yeah, but do we want to deal with Toby Allen here? <laughs> I've been waiting for this to come up. I've been dreading I just, it. Just like for context. episodes now. 
all I heard from, I don't know, Fucking when we hell. first started hanging out until, you know, we both moved into state was Toby Allen, Toby Allen, Toby Allen. Every day you mentioned him about 12 times. You had, <laughs> I don't know, you've got a tattoo of him on your forehead. You've got oh, posters on your wall. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 yeah. okay. Oh, God, this is so embarrassing. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Alex is not wrong. Alex, mm. Firstly, firstly, let's just context this toby allen is one of the four members of human nature the band and i had the world's biggest crush on him Hmm. like as in noted probably in the history books of time how much i was madly in love with him and it was everybody knew about it and alex is probably right i probably did mention it several times a day (laughs) several times for like (laughs) 10 years or 15 years i don't know 10 years or something yeah i was madly i thought he was the most beautiful thing i had ever ever seen and i just would do whatever i had to do (laughs) to look at if i could see him in a magazine or whatever i thought he was such a babe i loved him so much so there you go yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I thought we just had to, you know, if you were interviewing someone like, I don't know. Uh, uh. <laughs> and can I just say, the other yeah. thing was at the time, like he was not like the, he was not the famous one in human nature. The famous, the, the most sort of famous no, notorious ones, I guess, were the two brothers. Um, and then he was kind of the base that provided, you know, occasional base bits but he didn't really appear much in the video clips or whatever and you know mm. i used to love the little snippets that he'd get in the video clips um and he was yeah. such a babe he went and did cabaret the musical which i well, went and saw i was going to say yeah credit to toby allen because you know the first thing i saw basically when i moved to sydney um was him in cabaret the musical we and went he was together, playing the we? mc no no i went up on um I was doing a bit of work experience up in Sydney, oh, yeah. and yeah, I got a free ticket through that, and uh-huh. yeah, I went, yeah, I went along, and I just thought it was like the most amazing thing I'd ever seen because I'd never, I'd never really seen. Funnily enough, like you get a lot of musicals in Hobart because um, there's a few like amateur musical societies, but you don't really get the big professional ones. So this was probably the first time I'd actually seen like a live musical and it was a really great one because you know sometimes you go to musicals and there's a lot of pre-records and stuff but this was really like everything was on stage and bare and um you know everything was sort of done live and it was really exciting yeah such a great I, feeling. I 100% agree with you I remember mm. I went to Sydney to see it um and I also saw it in Melbourne and it was the Sydney the Sydney um cast was um the Sally Bowles was uh Tina Arena oh, and right. the Melbourne Sally Bowles was Lisa McCune from Blue Healers. Yeah. Um, but when I saw it in Sydney, Tina Arena was sick. So I think she didn't do much of the performances. I think another understudy did. But I agree with you. Like I'd seen some big musicals in Melbourne before this, but seeing this cabaret was the first time I'd sort of gone to one as an adult. Like I'd voluntarily bought tickets myself. And, yeah. Um, so if I didn't go with you, I don't know who I went with. It must have been my cousin or something. And I thought it was the most fabulous thing I'd seen on stage. I just thought it was so cool and so colourful and so interesting and just fabulous. And, of course, Toby Allen was in it, so I was madly head over heels in love with it. Yeah. Um, and then when I saw it in Melbourne, I was there early just waiting and I was in the bar. Yeah. And do you know about this? No. Oh, you don't know about this? Oh, you you might have, you've probably told me at the time. You would you know. know about this. <laughs> and he, he walked in before the show. Oh my god! And what did you do? Deadly serious. The, who yeah. was the person I was with? Somebody was like, "You're not going to believe this, but Toby Allen is standing next to you at the bar." And I was like, "Don't be stupid. That's not even a funny thing to say to me. That's just being mean. You know, that's just really being stupid. Like whatever." <laughs> yeah. And they're like, "No, really, he's next to you." 
I was like, Ugh. so I just sort of rolled my eyes, turned around. No shit. There he is right there next to me, shoulder to shoulder. Right. I was like. <gasps> <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so then I was like, hi. And my friend was like, can I take a picture of you guys? And he was like, very kindly said yes. Had a photo with him and he yeah. still had like his, you know, sort of smudge mascara on. I don't know if it was from the show before, or like earlier in the matinee or yeah. if it was like the night before or whatever or whatever. Um, you know, and he very kindly just sort of he grabbed his coffee and turned around and had a photo with me and that was very nice and, oh, my God, I nearly died. Went outside, <laughs> um, <laughs> went outside into China, the corner of Chinatown and seriously had to like sit down on the bottom of one of those like big, sort of, you know, arches that that form the entrance to Chinatown and oh, sit yeah, on the base yeah. of it and just be Melbourne, like, yeah. oh, my God. I mean, I fully was legitimately, you know, hyperventilating as if it was Michael Jackson or something. I I'm thought, surprised you weren't taken to the hospital. <laughs> I'm surprised I wasn't. I've got the photo somewhere. I don't know where it is. I'll try and find it. But I, it was such a funny thing and I don't think I ever quite got over it. And that was it then. <laughs> that was as close as I ever got. And, he, and, you know, now I think he's actually, I think he's come out as gay and he's got kids and I think he's... Married, I don't know, I've made all that up, but I think he's sort of living his best life. But at the time, I think it was yeah. all very clandestine and undercover. All right. Well, how exciting. Meet your <laughs> heroes know. after all. They say don't meet your heroes, but there you go. There's a nice thing. Yeah, he was, he was very nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, what was he going to do? He wasn't going to be an asshole. Yeah. He just got a coffee and I was madly obsessed with him. I, yeah. I, I often think when I look at the photo, actually, I don't know where it is, but when I look at the photo, um, I'm kind of, it's such a cringe moment for me. Oh, no, really? Yeah, I think for anyone who's ever held a candle to a star for whatever reason and whatever sort of level of stardom this person's at, um, I think meeting them is feels like the most momentous thing that you'll ever achieve in your life in that moment. And um, and and um, when I look back at it, I just think, oh, super cringe. Like how embarrassing that I was so obsessed with this person who, you know, didn't know I existed, of course, you know, yeah. and they've gone living their life and... It's interesting, isn't it, with celebrities? I mean, just to digress, but it's interesting with celebrities how much they can mean to people and how much you can sort of, without really ever knowing anybody, they just yeah. mean something to you. It's a really it's curious how thing. It must be weird like because you feel like you know them so well and then you go up to them and it's like this imbalanced relationship where they have no idea who you are and you've, yep. you've been following every word they've ever said for the last 20 years or, or something. Yeah, well, that must be a strange thing. You know? It must be. <laughs> and, like, that's the thing, you know, they, 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 I mean, I'm just generalising, but, you know, they probably have dozens of people a day, stop them and talk to them for photos or whatever, whoever it happens to be. But, you know, you, it's the first time you've ever seen or met this person, so it's the most exciting thing. They have no point of reference for who you are except that they know that you know everything about them and that's why yeah. you're asking for a photo. Yeah. And, you know, you know everything about them and you're obsessed with them and so you ask them for this photo. It's such a strange thing. And um, I don't know, I, I, I generally would try not to ask for a photo with a celebrity if ever I met, meet them because, and you know, I do, I've met a few and I think they're all lovely. Gen- well, generally they've been lovely. Um, but I often think it's kind of weird, like, I don't know, taking a photo with a stranger, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. You've met a lot of celebrities. You've worked with a lot of them. I don't know. I think it's just. I have, yeah. I mean, you don't. The, one of the worst things in the world is like name dropping. But <laughs> it's one of the worst things in the world, but it's also one of the things people love the most. Like It's quite everyone, fun, isn't it? It is so fun. People are like, oh, who have you met? And then you tell yeah. them and then they're like, oh, they're such a name dropper. It's like, oh, fuck off. Get a life, yeah. you loser. Like you That's asked. True. You wanted to know. We all want to know. You know? <laughs> One of the things I did um, when I 
sort of first got out of uni or even in the last year of uni, um, they make you go and do some work experience at some proper theatre shows. Um, but I went to do the Priscilla, Queen of the Desert musical, um, the original version. Um, <laughs> and the fun thing about big musicals like that is, and I had no idea, but if a celebrity comes along, they always get like a backstage tour. And, I mean, a few people came through. One of the really exciting ones at the time was Tyra Banks came through. So, oh, yeah. you know, she sort of wandered past and said hi. Um, the, was probably she nice? the biggest. Well, I guess she was nice. Well, you know, she didn't stop and chat. Yeah, as far as hi as can be nice, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other one was Elton John who. Whoa. Yeah. He shook my hand and then we all got a photo with him at the end. Was he nice? Well, I guess he was. Yeah, well, he he loved the show, and he ended up, I think, partially funding it to go over to the UK and you know go to the West End and stuff. Amazing. So, yeah, he was having the time That's of his life. Really cool. Yeah, and actually, it's funny because they sort of um, we heard whispers that there was a big celebrity coming, and they were like, you know, they don't want to draw any attention to themselves, and you know, just don't tell the press or anything like that if anyone you know contacts you. Or, I can't remember. It was really like they just want to slip in and out and not be noticed, and then of yep. course. The show was about to start. The house lights sort of dipped a little bit and then two, there's, you know, just reports from the auditorium, but apparently like two security guards entered and stood either side of a door and then in comes Elton John between them in like a big sequiny jacket and, of course, <laughs> everyone just goes mental. You know? Amazing. <laughs> yeah. That is really cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And then the, I mean, there were lots, but the other one that I can think of is um, I used to, after the show, because, you know, you have to wear all black while you're backstage, um, I'd wait and get changed in one of the, you know, toilets that was sort of off the side of the stage. And someone was in there taking forever, like ages and ages, and I really wanted to get home. And eventually, you know, hear the toilet flush, hear someone washing their hands, and the sliding door slides open, and there was Twiggy. What? Yeah, you know the model Twiggy. Actually Twiggy. <laughs> yeah, it was actual Twiggy. <laughs> who luckily That's I was a big absolutely amazing. fabulous fan, so I recognized her. So you like, knew who she was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. so cool. And it reminded me a bit, there's a bit in Priscilla Queen of the Desert where they're talking about the Abba Poo. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah. yeah. Where she gets kept... an Abba turd. Yeah. That yeah. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, luckily there was nothing to collect from Twiggy. It is. <laughs> that is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> did you actually think that though in the moment? I did, yeah. Did you? you thought, oh, yeah, I mean, you listen to the show Twiggy's like poo. over and over and over and then suddenly, you know, I used the toilet after a celebrity. So, yeah. <laughs> I hope, speaking of toilet stories with celebrities, hmm. I have one of those for you. Yeah. Um, I was in the Ivy in London, the restaurant, the Ivy, for dinner and um, the – there was all this like commotion outside, lots of really bright flashes and, you know, the the windows are kind of like, um, it was the evening, but the windows are kind of like, I don't know, yellowy kind of glass. So you can't yeah, really so see you can't peek in. in. Yeah. yeah. And like you could see the lamp lights outside, but there was just all this crazy flashing and screaming and shouting and in walked um, Gordon Ramsay and his wife. Oh, right. And I had never seen, this was early on in the Gordon Ramsay becoming globally famous period. Um, so like 2005, I don't know he right. was famous, but he became Back when he was the Naked Chef. Yeah, it was then. No, that was, wasn't the Naked Chef Jamie Oliver? Jamie Oliver, yeah. <laughs> no, when this guy was, when he was like, when he started big global TV yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, so he came in with his wife and I was like, oh, you know, what, what, who is that person? And I was with my sister and she was like, that's 
Gordon Ramsay. And I was like, great, who is Gordon Ramsay? But everyone seemed to care who he was. And there was just even more and more and more screaming and shouting and flashbulbs outside. And the door opened and Victoria Beckham walked in. Whoa. Yeah, major whoa. And she walked over and she gave Gordon Ramsay and his wife some air kisses and they were sort of chatting um, and then a couple of seconds later, the doors opened again to more screams and um, David Beckham walked in. Right. And I can now see where the toilet thing's going because if, you know, it was you and Victoria, <laughs> I would have worried <laughs> that yeah, you'd no, gone in the wrong door. It wasn't yeah. Victoria. Okay, yeah. And <laughs> they walked past um, to their table and I was just like totally gobsmacked and I just kind of smiled at her and she just smiled and kind of nodded and obviously I presume she must have to deal with that a lot. She was just the fact that she smiled and nodded was enough for me. Anyway, they sat a few tables away. Then um, a bit later I'd kind of, we'd kind of calmed down or whatever and I went to the to the loo, which is back out through the front foyer and down like some stairs into like a little, um, like it's underground. It's quite a little skinny staircase and a little hmm. dark sort of, you know, toilet sort of thing and anyway so i was in there i was peeing and i was like gee the person in the cubicle next to me is taking ages like i'm like you know when you're in the toilet and you somebody's silent in a toilet cubicle you're like yeah what the hell are they doing in there it's a bit sus right yeah anyway i was like whatever anyway out i go standing there washing my hands looking in the mirror hear the toilet flush and you know when you just kind of you know, if you're in a public bathroom or whatever, you just kind of look up at the mirror and you look back down or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, you look. I looked up at the mirror and David Beckham just walks out of the toilet oh. next to me and stands next to me at the sink washing his hands. I can't even tell you. I think a little bit of me died right then and there. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what is going on? And, you know, I had hair then, so I was like spiking up my hair and he was spiking yep. up his hair and they had like proper towels in the Ivy, Ivy bathroom. So of I was course, like yeah. drying my hands in the towel and he's sort of standing there with his dripping hands and waiting for the towel. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> so I just kind of like handed David Beckham the towel and just oh. kind of like off I went. And I yeah. was thinking, oh, my gosh, my mum's going to be so angry at me if I don't sort of say something to him. Like, what What can I say? What can I say? Like, I mean, I can't exactly say, oh, my God, David Beckham, I love you. His wife's upstairs, um, who I also love. Probably I love her more than I love him, to be honest. She's fabulous. <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, and, you know, minutes minutes before she'd smiled at me. So, of course, in my mind, we were best friends. Anyway, I was like, okay, cool. Maybe I'll say something. Maybe I'll say something. So we're walking up the the little spiral staircase sort of thing. And some old man comes down and David Beckham is like one or two steps behind me. And this old man kind of grabs David Beckham's arm and both of us kind of fell into the wall a little bit because of how the older guy grabbed us, grabbed him, right. but his body was near where I was. And he went, good luck in the World Cup, mate. And David Beckham was just like a bit like, uh, um, uh, th- thanks, thanks. Right. And I kind of got caught in this like squishy moment of it. And then we kind of just carried on back up the stairs and that was it. And I just thought that poor bastard, like he must get harassed all the time. And when he was sort of like, oh, thanks, like, well, you know, he was very uncomfortable that he was grabbed on the way out of the toilet. That's and what I, I was kind of thinking when you were saying, you know, he was very quiet in the cubicle. You know, imagine if he wasn't and then suddenly you sell the story to the you know, the papers, you know, it's got to oh, not be yeah. relaxing going to the toilet. Is it would be so it? stressful. Yeah. It was so, well, I, I would just clarify, they don't have, they don't, they only have cubicles. They don't have urinals. Urinals, right. So yeah. just to clarify that you you have to go into a cubicle in the IV. Hmm. But anyway, so yeah, so 
then of course I went back upstairs, sat down at my table and was like, oh my God, I just peed next to David Beckham. <laughs> um, I don't think I'll ever survive this night. And um, my, the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me, we went to leave the restaurant, stepped out into the footpath, all the paparazzi, you know, the, all the lights, came, the doors swung open, the doorman opened the door and all these lights went, you know, flashbulb, flashbulb, flashbulb <laughs> came up. Oh, yeah. And then straight at, back down again. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, you could have been mistaken for Leonardo DiCaprio. Though. Oh, that's very kind of you. And yeah. Maybe I could have been. You're quite right. Now, yeah. less so. But um, then yeah. maybe. And it was. Now, maybe cool. more Philip Seymour Hoffman. But I was going to say, maybe more Elmer Fudd. <laughs> anyway, we should get back onto pop stars. We but should. We should. It's a great should. segue, too, because they're being paparazzis. They are. In this, well, this little well. foyer. Oh, it's a bit of a half-assed paparazzi thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's Pretty true. Rough. And you wonder how much of it is sort of, you know, for the TV cameras as well. It's but. so for the TV cameras. It's yeah. so not. I mean, we don't have that many <laughs> press photographers in Australia. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's like one and all the new. I mean, I don't know if people know this, but like, you know, those paparazzi things, it's like there's one person that's contracted out to the new to the newspaper and they just put it all on the wire, an internal mm. database, and they just get shared across all the different newspapers. It's pretty ho-hum. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> they have all of these photographers and, and the narrator goes, oh, prior to pop stars, the girls would have had to pay someone to have their photo taken. But now yeah. they want their photos are being taken for free. And it's the weirdest thing. It's very sarcastic, say. isn't it? It's so <laughs> I don't know who wrote the narrator's script, but it's pretty shit the whole series, really. Yeah. And then the, they sort of focus a bit like before Sophie gets to in front of the photographers, she split her dress right at the back. Um, and they sort yeah. of dwell on this. And, you know, we've covered this a bit before in other episodes, like, you know, leave these young women some dignity, please, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's weird because, yeah. you know, there, there's a shot of Sophie's Sophie's walking in and her dress is torn at the back or whatever, and you've got a shot of the, the tear. So you can see, like, I don't know, whatever it is. You can't, I don't know if it's skin or what it is, if it's skin or underpants or what it is. And then the next shot is, oh, I've torn my dress, my, you know. And, but they've already shown the shot of the dress being torn. Hmm. Like, why would they even show that? They don't need to show that. Like, this no. 19-year-old chick's dress is torn and she's, she keeps repeating, oh, my ass crack, my ass crack, and they keep bleeping her. I don't know why they're bleeping ass, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was, it was a really simple time. They, yeah, it was a simple time. But I really don't know why they even showed that first clip of her not holding it together because the rest of the clips you see of her holding her back yeah, dress yeah. together. It just seems like why would they add it? I don't know. Yeah. It just was just gratuitous, and, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, lecherous and gross, unnecessary. Yeah. They do do a bit of a. I like um, Sally sort of takes control and starts narrating to the camera as they do the sort of let's walk through backstage, like in you know in Spinal Tap where they get lost in the corridors. You mean Breck and Meyer? <laughs> no, no, not clueless this time. <laughs> Going for a much earlier film reference, um, but it's nice. I think you can see. Almost for the first time in the whole series, how excited everyone is. Like, you know, of course, when they find out they're in the band, they're excited. But as a group who's been working really hard on this thing, you know, to finally make it to the album launch and to finally get in front of a live audience, I think, which is really rewarding to have, you know, people actually cheering, you know. <laughs> um, it's nice to actually see them enjoying themselves for the first time, I think. Well, I suppose this kind of feels a little bit like it's the, you know, the rewards for the fruits of their labour. It's their first live sort of experience as literal pop stars rather than 
girls recording an album who were complete nobodies because it's all mm. been done in secret to this point. You know, there's been a few weeks of press and a few weeks of sort of, you know, the the public knowing who they are. So it kind of feels like I suspect it's exciting, a combination of exciting, but this is the time where they're here to prove themselves. It's interesting because the narrator says at one point, um, you know, this is the opportunity for the girls to prove that they can sing as yeah. opposed to being, you know, all hired for their looks or whatever, which is yeah. an interesting comment to make because they only auditioned with singing. It's true, yeah. It's such a weird comment to make. Like this was a vocal competition initially and then it's, you know, they, they talk in other episodes about, you know, um, they talk in other episodes about like, oh, the girls have so much control over their style, blah, 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 blah. Um, so why are you making it about their style? Isn't it about their voices? I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it is a funny one. And I think that I think the narrator is also just talking about how in the media at the time they were being labelled as manufactured as well. So, you know, I think that came into that as well. Yeah, I mean? absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty much, pretty much though what it was. I mean, I, hmm. I've actually, you know, forever kind of been like, well, they're not manufactured pop stars because they were talented singers in their own right. However, watching back this episode now, I've changed my opinion and think that actually they were manufactured pop stars and it was nothing about how talented they were at all. Yeah. They were talented, all five of them, no question. And oh, they definitely. Are, they are probably still. However, this was less about how talented these five individual performers were yep. and it was more about how much money could be made and how much, you know, um, street cred could the various creative people involved get from being involved. You yeah. know, there's Jason Coleman doing his Ugh. thing again. Well, can we start by talking about that? Because we the can. live performance starts and I just thought the choreography was absolutely dreadful again. I mean, it's so restrictive. And like talking about the manufactured pop, it really just does make them look like they're robots. <laughs> it's not good. I agree. No. It's not great. And also and I, don't, I don't know if they can dance or not, but it doesn't seem like they can. And it seems no. maybe it is just the dance moves, but it's pretty bad. Yeah. And I was thinking about, you know, like the Beastie Boys who had a career of 30 years that only really finished because one of them passed away. And it's three guys who just basically came out and yelled on stage for their whole careers. But, you know, they're not there doing singing. Well, they do sometimes. But, you know, they're, they're not doing complicated harmonies and stuff like that. They just come out and they have energy and they're excited and they're jumping around the stage the whole time. And they're really excellent to watch. And I could, it just made me think... You know, that's how you sustain a career beyond, you know, two albums is you just put all your energy into your live performances so there's something, you know, something to grasp onto when you're standing there in the audience. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting that you reference the Beastie Boys because I have no reference for them having a 30-year career. So there you oh, go. Right. That says a lot. I thought they were like, you know, one and done in the 90s. But anyway. Oh, no, they started in the early 80s and I guess they probably didn't have a hit for, you know, five years. But then they went up to like, you know, 2012 probably. That I is amazing. The, I had no idea I'm going to have to go listen now. Yeah. Or watch a YouTube video of like a live performance from the mid-90s or something and just mm -hmm. watch how energetic they are, you know. And like for reference, because I was like, well, Beastie Boys isn't really, you know, similar to a <laughs> <No>. pop band. <laughs> so Tomato, I went and watched, no. yeah, I went and watched like a Spice Girls live performance and I found one of them doing uh, Stop at the Brit Awards. And like Stop has got that choreography that's, you know, it's so you can dance along at home during the chorus, which I yeah. love. Um, but the rest of it is sort of like you can see they've got points that they have to hit, um, but they're allowed to be sort of their individual selves 
like with that framework and it was much more interesting to watch than these like Bardo clips, I think, you know. A hundred percent. I mean, that was my, yeah. before you said that, that's exactly what I think too. I, I watched it thinking, why are they even making them dance to these songs? Like, you know, it makes sense to give them some marks to hit at various intervals, you know, for the chorus or for certain moments that they want to kind of call out you know, placements of the girls on the stage when they're singing solos and stuff like that. But otherwise, just let them actually be free and let them sing and actually, you know, be unrestricted, especially because this particular dance and choreography is really, really restrictive also. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's very, very strange. I don't know. I, I, I agree with you entirely on that. And that was that's the other thing. Just to go back to stop, <laughs> um, the like their, their feet are pretty much still, and they're doing like all the choreography of that upper is body. sort of yeah upper body and with their arms and so like your eyes are drawn up to like their face and they're singing and you know the focus isn't on their fancy footwork. You know <laughs> what I thought these girls. My observation of this whole Jason Coleman choreography thing that we've been talking yeah. about last episode and this episode, it feels like it's choreography for backup dancers. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, to me, and I, it doesn't feel like lead. It doesn't feel like lead star vocalist choreography. It feels like choreography for like, you know, six guys in sleeveless tank tops in the back. Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> Which, funnily enough, you know, I think you know, I'd watched a um, live Bardo um, recording of them at the State Theatre where I saw Cabaret. Funnily enough, mm-hmm. um, and that's literally what it is like. There are the backup dancers, and you know Jason Coleman's one of them in a tank top doing of course he is. <laughs> doing the choreography. Uh, but I'm sure we'll talk about that uh, at a, in a I'm later sure we episode. Will. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, like we're sort of trying to pick apart why Bardo sort of folded so quickly, and you know someone like Beyonce who's had a pop career that, and maybe I can't remember if Destiny's Child was manufactured at the beginning, but she's gone on to like bigger and better things and now she can go on and do things like Glastonbury which you know has a history of like big raucous rock acts and here's um you know a pop pop singer sort of uh, headlining at it you know and she just has such control over the audience and it's because she's allowed to be herself and she's allowed to be free and you know she can really she really has that chance to interact whereas I think this restrictive choreography means that there's a like it puts a wall between you and the audience I reckon yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, I, I think there are a number of reasons why they folded Butto so early. Um, and I think that's well, I'm it. blaming it on Jason Coleman. <laughs> I think I'm calling a, it. It's a, all his a, fault. That's a conversation for another episode. I think it's a whole conversation. But, I mean, I know that you're not a great Jason Coleman fan, so I understand why in this episode in particular you're like, ah, oh, here it is. Here's the moment. It's Jason Coleman's <laughs> fault. Um, but I think there are a few other things. We can talk about that later. But I agree with you. I understand. I think, you know, with things like, you know, Beyonce, she was managed by her mother or she may still well be managed by her mother. All that's right. one thing. So I, I think that's a big part of it, um, you know, um, and I think also Beyonce has something that very few musical acts have. It's true. It's like a scientific comparison. She's definitely an outlier of like, like she's amazing, of course. Yeah. So she, it's, it's hard abs- to compare her talent to, you know. She's an absolute <laughs> outlier, 100 million yeah. percent. And it's, it is it is, it is a once-in-a-generation lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place, you know, sort of situation, um, you know, and I often think about this, you know, who will who will we remember in 50, 60, 100 years' time? I don't know that we'll remember many people, but we will remember Beyonce. Beyonce is an icon and she's an icon. She's, a, she's alive. She's living. It's not like she's, you know, a, an icon of yesteryear. She's yeah. fabulous and she just has – she's, you know, all about evolving 
at, in her own way, at her own pace. And I think that's what makes her interesting. She's absolute, she seems like she's in absolute control um, of her trajectory, her, her vision, her creative um, output, which I yeah. think is probably the difference. It's probably everything after gold member she was in control of, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, <I'm>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I have to say I loved gold member. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> Schmuck and a pancake? Anyway. Um, <laughs> now the songs that they do, what's the set list? Because you reckon, we, we see two in the episode, but you reckon maybe they did a couple more? Well, I thought the narrator said something about, you know, they've got 20 minutes to perform. And I thought, okay, so that's maybe four songs. Like if the average pop song is three minutes 40, what is that? Four, five songs with a bit of an intro, a bit of a razz up, an encore? I don't know. 20 minutes yeah. is not super long. So in a rehearsal, we hear them singing a part of um, Got Me Where You Want Me. Or Is that what it's called? I think that's what it's called. Let me just check my album. Let's here. have a quick Google. I can actually check the album because I've got it physically next to me. Yeah, Got Me Where You Want Me. So I think they yeah. sing Got Me Where You Want Me. We hear that in a dress rehearsal. And then in the actual show, we hear them sing Higher Than Heaven is what they open with, and then they sing Poison. So that's three songs. I can't imagine they only did three. They must have done something else. And I would have thought logically it would have been I Should Have Never Let You Go, which was the second going to be the second single. Yeah. And they'd spent all that money having the, um, Tommy Farragher come out from America and all that. So I presume it would have been that. Um, but what I thought was really strange is they opened the performance with Higher Than Heaven, which is like a gospel pop track. Yeah. It's such a weird opening for... It's like a wet blanket coming out on it stage. Is. It? I mean, it's a good song. <laughs> I like the song. It's a cute song. And it's, you know, I think it's quite a fan favourite, but I think it's quite a strange... It's quite a strange um, song to, to open with. And to me, I might be wrong, the vocals sounded like it was lip-synced or mimed. I, it may have been a dress rehearsal that was pre-recorded, so they were sort of lip-syncing to a live recording possibly. Yeah. But it didn't feel like it was live vocals because when you hear Poison sung, which is the next song that they sing, hmm. you hear a different vocal track to what the single is. Right. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure if they sung live or not for the Higher Than Heaven. Gosh, um, that would be so disappointing. So, I could be, like, I could be we're not totally manufactured. Wrong. We're not manufactured, and then they come out and lip sync along to a track. Oh, look, I, I, I stand, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be corrected. Um, yeah, yeah. But it just it felt maybe I feel that it was it felt forced because it, I think it was such a miss. It was such a wrong track to open with. You've got a room full of industry executives and media. I don't know. It just feels like it's a weird wrong positioning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just back onto musicals quickly. There was one I worked on and I won't give away who it was, but there's this really famous bit in it. And remember I worked in Australia and the UK, so I'm I don't, like anonymity, anonymity. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but it's this big famous note um, that everyone's waiting for. And they did this trigger thing. So uh, the guy or person who was singing it <laughs> um, couldn't quite hit the big famous note. And so what would happen was a MIDI trigger would happen as soon as um, the mic registered that pitch. A recording would – so it would cut out his microphone and a recording of him would kick in. Um, wow. And I just thought, you know, you're going along to see this amazing performance and really you may as well just be listening to the CD. <laughs> Anyway, I don't I don't love pre-recorded stuff. I think it 
you know, you're paying to see a live performance. Why are you going and watching someone, you know, Millie Vanillying it? Or- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understand. I understand the need for, um, you know, pre-records for things like um, New Year's Rock and Eve and um, some of those big open air things where you know there's a lot going on and they're singing through like you know weird pitchy speakers and stuff. I don't know. I totally get it when they're trying to dance and do all that kind of stuff. I don't like it, but I can yeah. kind of appreciate it. Um, you know, Is it's New cold Year's outside. Rock and Eve a free event though. Have you paid five hundred dollars a ticket? <laughs> no. I'm not sure. Well, look, I paid five hundred bucks for Madonna, and she okay. was the, it was the shittest concert I've ever been to. She was forty five minutes late, right. and she lip synced at least the first forty five minutes of it. It was such bullshit. I was so furious. I would have asked yeah. for a refund. I was so angry. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so, so bad. disappointing. Yeah. I mean, so I, I hope they were singing live, but I'm I'm sure you know. I can't imagine there were points where they weren't being yeah i 100 well. agree with you i can't imagine they were, were singing live the whole time but anyway yeah. look it was it was it was a weird set list we're not music industry executives but i thought it was really fucking strange yeah you want to come like, out you know you've come out there's been so much build up come out with a bang you know <laughs> but see when you actually check out the album and we'll talk about this later on, on another episode but the album is quite thin on bangers right okay um there are a couple of ballads that i'm that are just Big major hard passes for me. Yeah, um, they're the disco Montego ones. What are you saying? Kalen, you mean Kalen? Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we can talk about the album a bit more later. But yeah, I think mm. like they do sing "Got Me Where You Want Me," and I think that probably would have been would have would have been a better one to open with. Um, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't great. Or down. Yeah. I thought down. Down's a great song, and they probably could okay. have opened with that. But but I they know, don't have a wanna be where they're coming out like high energy sort of. Well, this is the thing. This is exactly my point. Like you know, you, this is setting the tone. This hmm. is setting the tone. Like set the tone. High yeah. in heaven mistake. Poison is a follow up. Okay, fine. It's being released the next day. I get it. They've got to do it. But I don't know. I just I feel like it was a huge miss generally. Yeah, and just in general, like this is where you were saying earlier. Like it's definitely. The manufactured side of it is really coming to the top now because it seems like everyone who's involved sort of has their own stake in, you know, getting this thing going. Yeah, that's more what it feels like to me in this episode. And it was, as I said, it was only ten. Well, as you said, sorry, it was only ten minutes of the actual episode. But it feels like everybody's really just interested in their own piece of the pie. Like, you know, Jason mm. Coleman seconds before they walk out on stage, Jason Coleman's like, remember this about the choreography. Remember this, remember that, remember this. You've got Michael Napthali doing the this, 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 and you've got the wardrobe people and the makeup people and this, this, this. Yeah. It just kind of feels like everybody, It's this is an experiment to see if they can take five nobodies and turn them into stars. Yeah. Ir- irrespective that the girls are actually talented and can sing, that's I don't I think that's actually a lower priority for a lot of people here. Yeah. I mean I Marsha think. why was Marsha standing backstage? I think she just wanted to get her face on TV after That made no sense to me. <laughs> why was Marsha Hines backstage? It was the yeah. weirdest thing. She had nothing to do with the show at all as far as we know. I mean she appeared up in that you know town hall for like the the Sydney audition yeah, back in like episode second. 2 yeah. for a hot second. I assume she's friends with somebody or something and that's why she's sort of grace them with her presence but why is yeah. she backstage at their at their debut performance it feels a bit strange well interestingly enough sense. her and jason coleman ended up being you know judges on reality tv shows later so i think there was some kind of get my face on tv agenda yeah, possibly going on <laughs> but yeah that's very very possible yeah um and 
there's a, quite a nice bit where like Michael Napthali has a bit of a tear in his eye yeah. right at the end. He confesses how nervous he was beforehand and he looks so proud afterwards and you know, <laughs> I, I guess he's had the so pressure sweet. on him. Yeah. I was very surprised and I, I thought, oh, wow, am I actually having, you know, an emotional reaction to Michael Napthali? I know. I'm yeah, he's had such a this. character arc in this podcast, hasn't he, where we he sort has. of started off you know, <laughs> not so favourably. And now I think I'm a bit of a nap for life. He fan. was enemy of the state and now actually soft spot. Although there's something I need to confirm with you and it's to do with... Naphthalons. yeah. Naphthalons. It's to do with a coin. Have you heard this rumour? A coin? Yeah, and if you haven't, I'm just going to leave it as a bit of a... Have um, I heard of a rumour about a coin? Yeah, Michael Naphthali and a coin. No. No? Well, okay, let's... I'm just going to leave that cryptic for now, a bit oh, of a teaser. This is for... not some weird like sex thing, is it? No, no. <laughs> I don't know if no. this is the forum for that. but um, I mean, I could be misremembering it, so let's wait until I have the information in front of me. But he went on to be in government afterwards, I believe, and there was a bit of a um, scandal to do with a coin. So anyway. <laughs> okay. I thought he was like a lawyer or something. Yeah, I'm pretty. I mean, it's someone called Michael Napthali who went on to work in um, George Brandis's arts. Um, I guess the arts is it a cabinet. I don't know political terms very well. Me neither. But yeah, um, you know Wrong when George Brandis. If you're looking for political things, but yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they'll know by the way I'm talking about it that I have no idea what I'm <laughs> saying. <laughs> don't be fooled, everyone. Um, I'm not Lee Sales. Um, yeah, so. Anyway, I'll look more into that, but I think there's a bit of a scandal that happened with Michael Napthali in his next iteration. <laughs> okay, interesting. Well, I look forward to this. Yeah, I hope I'm right. Otherwise, I'm going to have to edit all this out and, you know, editing is a very onerous task. It is. Don't you think it's strange also at this point, though, you know, Chris Moss is at the back and he's like, can I give you a hug? And hmm. he hugs Sophie and yeah. he says to her as he's hugging her, I hope your dress doesn't. I hope your skirt doesn't fall down or something. Or make yeah. sure your skirt doesn't fall down. It's not a great look, is it? Like it's not. I mean, I feel like the whole time he's been quite creepy. But actually, funnily enough, out of all the like manufacturing bits that we see, like that sort of prove it's just a big business. I feel like you know in previous episodes he was the one sort of going, you know, need to look after the interests of the performers. You know, the performers yeah. need to have control. You know, blah blah. I blah. agree. Uh, to me, Chris yeah. Moss is the one who seems like he has a clue what he's doing. He's, yeah. He knows what he's doing. He knows his role in this whole thing and he seems to have their interests as as human people as yeah. opposed to five non-human people products. You know, yeah. I think he seems to have their best interests at heart, which I really like. But having said that, stop talking about skirts falling down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Stop, stop objectifying Sophie. Now, something I've never perfected, like I was saying earlier, I used to work backstage and it's how to talk to performers when they come off stage. Like I've spent a lot of time as a stage manager and quite often you're the first person the cast see as they come from, you know, the screaming audience. And, you know, I'm quite a low energy, quiet chap. Um, so, you know, one thing they taught us at uni, like if you want to switch on an instant rapport with someone really quickly, you match people's energy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you, like, you're, you do some management-y type things and you've been a manager in the past, you know. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you have any, like, specific techniques you employ um, when managing people? Like, did you ever read a How to Manage People manual or is it all just au naturel? <laughs> I <laughs> I think some of I think most of it is for me anyway personally 
own at trial. Right, um, yeah, but yeah. I have read a few little bits and pieces, a few books and stuff. Of There's a stack of books next to me here on leadership. Mm. Mostly they just sit there unopened. But uh, right. anyway. Is it Sun Tzu, um, The Art of War? Or? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's like Brené Brown, Dare to Lead and that kind of thing. Oh, right. Um, but um, I, I have always said to people, or and I have always myself, you know, pretty much what you just said, it's meet people where they're at. Um, yeah. It's not nothing I've learned at uni. As I said, I didn't go to uni, so I have no sort of point of reference for what you're talking about. But, you know, if, you know, communicating something to somebody or, you know, communicating with somebody is um, not about necessarily um, you telling them something. It's about wanting them to hear it and understand it. That's got to be the goal of the conversation, the communication, I think. You know, so I think I always try to talk to people as if, what do I want them to take out of it as opposed to what have I got to say that's so important, if that makes sense. Like just, you know, do I want to paint a picture here or what kind of a picture do I want to paint or, you know, what is the what is the impetus for this conversation or this interaction, that kind of a thing. So hmm. I know that's kind of what I've always done. Yeah. I guess when I'm doing sort of management-y roles and I've got maybe, a, you know, an assistant or something like that, um, I always try and think there's no such thing as a bad assistant. Like if they're doing something wrong, it's because it's my fault and I haven't explained it to them properly or I'm not letting them, uh, you know, use their own skills to solve the problem or something like that. Like I try and always think, you know, sure. it takes it takes two to tango and there are things that I can control, I guess. Well, I think you don't know what you don't know until yeah. you know it and then when you know it, you can do better, right? Hmm. And I think that's kind of how I approach most things in a work environment or generally in an, in any kind of conversation with somebody, I suppose. Yeah. But, you know, um, I think it's a whole thing of, you know, seeking to understand what people, what what's happening with people. And, you know, when somebody's just come off stage, you know what's kind of happening to them. They've mm. got a real adrenaline rush. They're experiencing some serious highs right now. Yeah. Or they really fucked up and they're experiencing some really <laughs> bad lows. Yeah. That's also very po- possible. Yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> but can you imagine coming off with that really high energy and there I am going, oh, hey, how'd you go? Was it, you know, when well, I don't know, babe. I've spent 20 years doing that. <laughs> I've spent 20 years matching your energy with this. People outside listening to this are just like, well, fair point, Alexander, fair point. Yeah. I mean, in my defense, it's is it still Sunday morning? Just by about 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, this is you know, it doesn't get that much more exciting for me. I'm afraid. This is about everybody. as this is about as high octane as you get, isn't it? Yeah, this is peak. Yeah, unless we're at karaoke. Of course, I was about to. I was so about to say yeah. a couple of drinks. As soon as karaoke. the first few bars of Seal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kiss from a rose. Oh, come on, such a good one. Oh my oh, god. Yeah, yeah. Don't even. <laughs> if, if we could, I would, but I know that we would get in trouble for royalties. But oh, I would so do it. Yeah. And also, well, I can never sing on this podcast again, as we said earlier, because you keep using it <laughs> illegally against my will. Well, don't worry about that because I have plenty of little snippets of you singing from <laughs> all our previous episodes. There's enough to last us you know, <laughs> about oh, great. 50 episodes of Fruity Alexia. Can't wait. Fruity <laughs> Alexia. <laughs> well, we're near the end. <laughs> We are so near the end. You There's know, that episode, energy I was talking about. Bam, bam. <laughs> this was a hard one because yeah. um, we only 
got 10 minutes of footage to look at. And, um, you know, I was thinking, and I might be wrong, have you watched Ahead at all, by the way? I haven't, no. I'm at a point now where it's all new to me. And actually, okay. I don't know what else is left. They've launched the album. They've done their first we, live performance. You know. I think from memory, and again, this is 20-year memory, I think we yeah. do see them recording. The, we see them going to do like live performances at like Westfield Parramatta and stuff. And oh, I right. think we also see them, I think the last episode they're doing a... They're doing the video clip for I Should Have Never Let You Go, I think. Okay. Um, but What's I also, in that film clip again? Is that it's are they on a set? I think it's animated. I think you only see oh, them for a little yeah. second. I think you see them sort of in a little window or something for a second, the real girls. And then I think they become the cartoons. Like cartoons. I, I could be wrong, but I think that's what it is. That's and right. the other thing that I remember happening in the the series, which may have been the 10 minutes that were cut out of this episode, were the girls had some argy-bargy. The band had some argy-bargy about their band name because they are called Bardo. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure if it was this episode or one of the others, but it's not in any of the footage we've seen on YouTube that's mm. been uploaded. Um, the the brand, the, the girls, the women's fashion brand Bardo, which is now kind of, you know, Around yeah. and if you Google Bardo, they, the fashion brand comes up first at the moment. So, so. <laughs> it, it was new then. Before Bardo was what it is now, where it was, you know, in every single shopping centre and was very mass produced, it was a startup fashion brand in 1999. Oh, right. 2000. Was and, it? Yes. And the girl or girls or people who, who started that brand um, basically were like, you can't use our name for this band. We have a brand called Bardo. Ah. And so they struck a deal and it was on the show. I remember this being on the show. So anybody else listening to this, DM us because I'm sure this happened. They they struck a deal to dress the girls exclusively in Bardo merchandise. Really? And it was before it is what it is today. So this, we're not talking about Bardo. It, it doesn't look, it didn't look the same as what it looks like now. It was a different kind of brand back then. Yeah. And so I wonder if the 10 minutes missing from this episode is that conversation. Ah, uh, right. Because there's a point where they go to the Bardo. Oh, you think factory. it's purposely missing? I'm wondering if it's just like maybe omitted mm. because, you know, Bardo, you know, probably would care about that. Yeah. I would imagine the Bardo brand would care about that now. They're obviously a big, big brand yeah. now. Um, but, yeah, so I remember them, the girls kind of going to the Bardo factory or something and kind of picking from racks all these different clothes. That was sort yeah. of the deal. You could use the name if we got to dress them. Oh, right. I believe. I didn't realise that coincided. I mean, I'm sure you're 100% correct. I just, I thought maybe the fashion brand was a few years later and the, all the negotiations happened. Well, what happened after the, the band days. kind of fold? Like the, the brand did not become what it's become now for many years after. Right, yeah. So yeah. what we know today where it's kind of like in every shopping centre and, you know, lots of, you know, three camisole tops for 15 bucks or whatever, it mm. wasn't like that then. I think it was. A, I think it started out as a different kind of label and over years it's kind of become and evolved like that. Right. So, yeah, that's my memory of it. So I, I suppose maybe that's still to come or maybe it's been omitted to this point. I would have been omitted to this point, I suppose, because they've already chosen the name, hey. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why we're lucky to have you and your photographic memory that's of these right. things. Yeah. That's <laughs> we don't right. need a YouTube video. No, we don't. <laughs> We've got an Alexander. So far, I've remembered a lot of crazy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Belinda and a caramel highlights. Remember yeah. that? You'll never You've get You've got little that. caramel highlights in your beard as well. <laughs> that's not caramel. That's like greys. <laughs> it's sort of grey, ginger and brown, depending on which bit you look at. <laughs> it is. So bad. Anyway, uh, we have an Instagram, don't we? We do. We have an Instagram. Send us a DM. Flick us a like. 
Yeah. Flick Did you notice I wrote bad, it sensibly? Yeah, flick is not a bad word. Yeah, flick us alike. Yeah. Flick us alike. <laughs> but, like, my commendations to you for just reading the script professionally. Thank you. Um, no matter I what was on it, it over the last few episodes. There might be some more surprises, but I thought <laughs> the joke was wearing thin. So I'm, I'm I've gone back if, to normal. <laughs> I'm nothing if not uh, professional. So, thank exactly. you. Yeah. Appreciate that. And there is, of course, a link in our description to our ACAR support page. Um, but, you know, the easiest way to just support us is to like, subscribe. Subscribing is important. Helps our algorithm out, you know. Um, and then we publish shows every Friday and minisodes on Tuesdays. And tell your friends. Like, if you are listening to us and you're like, actually, we think this is kind of fun, hmm. totally tell your friends. Yeah. Share. Share the love. Share the Fruity Alexia love. Yeah, because I haven't told any of my friends really yet, so, <laughs> so well, we need you to do it for me. I haven't for told them. all of my friends either because we've been working mm. on getting some, you know, getting the show happening and getting the rhythm exactly, and getting yeah. the cadence and the, the, con- the, the content and stuff. And, uh, you know, I think we'll probably start pimping it out a little bit more. Um, yeah, exactly. The bit of we're at episode we 10 getting, now. Is, hmm. Well, yeah, we're at episode 10. The bit of feedback we are getting is people are actually enjoying it and I think that's really great because it's nice to be – it's nice for people – even if they are people that we know, it's nice for hmm. people to be on the journey with us and kind of be on this ride. It's quite fun. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, people don't need to tell, like, even if they're our friends, they don't need to write to us and say they enjoy it and they've just been doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. That's so. right, they have. <laughs> um, and actually we were talking, you know, there was a mini-sode we put out where I was referencing The Girl Can't Help It and we thought that, you know, once pop stars... Australia Series 1 finishes, we might do a few like little bridging episodes where we break down some of our favourite classic movies. Maybe Clueless. Maybe The Girl Can't Help It. (laughs) That sounds like a fun thing, especially like over Christmas where, you know, there's a bit more time where you can enjoy some of those things and um, always good to have a chat. I'm excited about this. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So more of that to come in the future, you know. Don't want to give away all our secrets at once. Wedding people's whistle. I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i've been you know reading some uh hints on how to get more subscribers so. oh have you and you <laughs> no, think I that's haven't. how <laughs> yeah <laughs> isn't it <laughs> i don't know we'll find out won't we if we get more subscribers i guess <laughs> exactly yeah well <laughs> fingers crossed i'll keep an eye on the stats please yeah have you got anything exciting planned now that we're near the end of fruity alexia and you have the rest of your day free oh, i've got christmas Presents to wrap up. Christmas presents. Are you one of those people that starts decorating in, what is it now? It's in September. <laughs> so firstly, my Christmas shopping is done. So yes, I am one of those people. Oh, um, and secondly, um, is my, do I decorate yet? No, but I do no. love Christmas. I'm Christmas obsessed and I probably will, because I used to work in retail for the longest time. So it's mm. hard to ha- enjoy Christmas. You were the Santa, weren't you, for a while? I was an elf. Yeah. An elf, okay. <laughs> I was an elf. Um, I was an adorable elf, by the way. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I just think like, you know, Christmas is hard when you're in retail because you kind of lose it, loses its charm for you because it starts in like August or September. But um, I do like to put my Christmas tree up as early as I can, like very early December. You know, okay. And kind of have it for a good five weeks. I really, because I like, I've got a big seven foot tree and I like to go all out for the decorations. And this year I'm going to make it a Bardo themed one for just for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, isn't that yeah. lovely? <laughs> Hopefully you'll be able to fly by then and you can come up for like a Christmas dinner and I'll make a roast and stuff. Oh, that would be lovely. It'll be a Although, nice, you know, um, I'm going to be back working in theatre hopefully by then if things are open, which means, you true. know, we work up until midnight on Christmas Eve and then we start up again, you know, midnight the second after Boxing Day finishes. Well, I won't then. have a problem leaving my Christmas tree <laughs> set up well into February or whenever your gig finishes and then you okay. can come up. 
The longer <laughs> I can keep my Christmas tree up, the happier I'll be. I love it. I love okay. Christmas music. I love all that stuff. I love Great. Christmas food. I love talking to people and sending people cards. You know, I keep sending you cards. I've sent you cards for 100 years. You probably just chuck them. Do you have them all? <laughs> nah, chuck well, them. Well, we Marie Kondoed. I used to keep a lot of cards, but we Marie Kondoed a couple of years ago. And, you know, I said thank you to all my Christmas cards and then they got recycled. So. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> anyway, I guess, uh, yeah, we'll see everybody, if not by Christmas time, you know, in the next episode. Next week. Next week. See you later. Bye, everyone. Bye. Can you feel it? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.